Welcome to the Strategy Mob Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have a very special guest. I have my my clubhouse homie with me. <laughs> or aka crack house i don't know you want to i miss i have kyle with me today it's, it is brutal <laughs> it is brutal isn't it just before before we started recording uh we were kind of uh, commenting back and forth on our screen time uh notifications and how much time we spend on clubhouse uh but it is great to kind of take our our connection and our conversation off of clubhouse and be able to do this podcast with you i'm so, I'm so glad you're here uh we're gonna have a yeah. great conversation today we have a lot of really cool topics to go over but uh, hey kyle for everyone out there that's watching and listening right now and maybe don't know about you and your background and how you got started in the industry i always find it fun to start off every podcast with a little origin story so what is the origin story of how you got started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry <laughs> yeah so first of all i've got to work on my podcast voice because uh, you crush it with the podcast voice, so I'm I'm jealous. Uh, second, uh, so my origin story looks a little bit like this. I was uh, classically um, I majored in in the perfect major for automotive, which is music. Nice. Um, but uh, so I went through college, did that. Uh, actually, came out of college was helping plan a church in downtown Cincinnati. My wife and I, uh, then fiance, uh, she had gotten a job in Pensacola. Uh, Pensacola, Florida. And I needed to move there, find a job, (laughs) find a place to live prior to us getting married. And so I was looking around the church. I had served and and done some random stuff. And so I was looking at all those places. And then I saw this ad for a car sales job. Uh, And I'm not going to say where it was, but essentially the idea was I go in, I fogged a mirror and they hired me. Uh, it was a little bit more in depth than that. I maybe got sold a little bit more than what I uh, than what I originally thought that it was. Yep. Uh, so I started there as a salesperson. Uh, I I sold cars there. Really got my first shot about six months later as I moved to uh, a big Nissan store. Sandy Sansing Nissan was super blessed uh, to have a buddy there uh, that that was able to to bring me uh, over there, and that really launched my career. I, I owe a lot to to Aaron Hill. Um, if he ever listens to this podcast, uh, oh, a lot there we'll make sure we was in the sales environment for, uh, around, uh, two and a half years total, mm-hmm. uh, including the, the first, so it's three dealerships moved to Nashville, uh, came up into the floor manager role pretty quickly, was a new car director of a Nissan store here. Uh, and then I've been with the Nelson organization uh, for going on eight years now. I started as a finance director, helped open a new store that we acquired, uh, was a sales manager, uh, training director. Uh, my current role is marketing and business development director, and that no, takes on a whole lot of different <laughs> stuff operationally. And uh, I get to, to to play in the sandbox of fixed and variable ops and marketing and training and onboarding and systems and software management. And so I love it because it keeps me, it keeps me going, but that's my story. That's where I am today and love the industry. It's, it's done so much for my family, for me personally, for, for the growth that I've, I've been able to have as, as not just a, a professional and career minded person, but also, also personally. That's it. I love that origin story. I find a lot of us are kind of like that. Either we kind of fumble our way into the industry or we're born into it, or maybe like me, or maybe a little bit like you, you got conned into it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, can you say your title one more time? 
because I, I find this so interesting. So uh, right now it's marketing and business development director. I, I love this. Um, this is the yeah. one. See, it's very interesting with the title that you have, the position that you're in with the dealership, which um, I, I had a very similar uh, position as well when I, when I kind of first started. You know, they called me the the internet operations manager because at the time they had no bloody clue what this was actually going to be. And BDC somehow got molded into that because there was these things called internet customers. So uh, that that's, but I, I'm so fascinated because it's the one role within the dealership that literally has 62 different titles. Oh yeah. You know, it's like a GM's a GM. Sales manager is a sales manager. But when it comes to like guys that like us, when we're in the business, there's there's so many different variations of that title. But but I think for good reason so because it covers so many different things. Uh, the line between marketing and operations is so blurred these days. And then when you tack in things like CRMs and technology and then processes and then it, it all it all kind of it all bundles together. It's very difficult to even figure out what the heck you end up calling that title. So um, yeah, this, is, I, this is actually where I want to start today's conversation is, is with you because I know you have a lot of experience with this, is, is tech and process and how those two actually kind of collide with each other and, and how do we train on that? So when you, when you hear the words tech and process, what, what do you think? I think that they they typically um, look like split on the screen. Yeah. And we go, there's your tech. There's your process. Hope they work. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and and, um, and what we don't do is is orient those in the correct direction mm -hmm. as far as a starting place. And so uh, I'll, I'll say even for me, especially three, four years ago as I'm starting to really understand and go, whoa, there's all this tech out there. What is happening? I'm going, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's really, really cool. Let's add that. Let's add this. Let's add that. And then all of a sudden, all the people in the dealership are going, what is all this? And why are we doing it? And how are we going to do it? And what I've realized is that we got to start the other way. Yeah. I hear you on that. I hear you on that. You know, I see way too often dealerships will sign up with a, a new piece of technology um, because it's shiny and it's got a lot of really big promises and the vendor closed you because as long as you sell just one more car, it will cover the entire expense of it. God, that is the oh, worst closing line. nickel. Right? You too, right? If, that is like the worst closing line for any vendor out there. So if anybody, vendors, we have you listening, never use that on anybody. It's it's just not a good way to do it. But it's so true though. But like um, process has to come first and then we have to work back towards the technology. And I find in our industry, we're too quick to go out and just buy into the next best thing when it comes to tech and then just assume that the process comes along with that. And then everything falls apart. So I'm curious for you, kind of, what are your thoughts to ensure that doesn't happen? All right. Kind of walk me through kind of maybe an example for your dealership of kind of how you guys develop the process and then work back towards the tech. Yeah. So I'll give an example, but just really quickly before I do that mm -hmm. is I think what I've realized uh, over the years is that I have to be super diligent with whatever process we currently have. Mm. I have to, I have to hold, I have to have one, have it written down, but two, I've got to, uh, and, and we as an organization and as an executive team have to hold that pretty tightly. Um, but with, but with kind of gloves that say, 
I'm open to something new, <laughs> but realize if I'm open to something new, it means I've got to reform what's inside my fist here. That's um, a good point. And so that that's a big key to to what I've learned, and and so then uh, and really this this all came about. And so my the example that I have is this all came about when uh, in late gosh twenty eighteen we huh. started researching this whole thing called single point of contact uh, retail process. And so that that essentially means that one person goes from hello to test drive to quote to finance Love it. to uh, to uh, protection um, to delivery yep. and, and at the same desk all the way through. What, what we did in that scenario was forced on us by the recognition that if we didn't do it this way, mm-hmm. we would absolutely fall flat. And, it, and, it, and I guess forced is maybe a bad word, but really encouraged by the people that led us through that. And so we had, we had someone that was consulting with us that said, it, the only way I'm going to do this with you is if you take a lot of time with me and with your team, mm-hmm. going through the process, creating the process, writing it down, training the process, retraining the process. <laughs> and as we go through that, we're going to look at the available technologies on the market and see what fits what we create. I, I love that. I'm curious um, because I, th- I think every good process is deeply rooted into a goal and objective or maybe multiple goals and objectives. So I, I love this single point, you know, sell person. I wonder what's the why behind that? Yeah. So I get the opportunity to, with our, with our leadership team, carry this, this like drive that mm-hmm. Mr. Nelson, uh, our owner has which is which is a drive for people. He says, we'll make a believer out of you. And he says, we always want to do the right thing and the best thing for the customer. Mm-hmm. And so what, what we started to think about is, is this process, is this way of doing business? And, and we, we did the pricing thing at the same time. Is that the best thing for the customer? Is it going to give the customer the best experience? Is it going to create retention for the customer, loyalty to our, to our company? And, and if we make this decision to do this massive overhaul, spend six months with a trainer, change a, a core technology to our business, is it going to be better for the customer? Is it going to be people better for people that want to do business with us and purchase vehicles? Yeah. And so that's a big why. That's and then huge. our second why is we believe that buying a car should be just as much fun as owning one. And you ask any person in our dealership. And See, they there we go. Why. I knew there was more than an operational goal. See, that's what I'm saying. Like every good process has multiple goals in place. There was both an operational goal, but then there was also a culture goal yeah. of like, we want to make this fun. And and look, the old model, what we're talking about, all right, there's nothing linear about it. You know, it's like, there's, it's not a linear effort from the time that the person first interacts with the dealership to the time they take delivery of it. It looks more like this. <laughs> like it, it bounces yeah. up and down. It has peaks and oh, valleys, no, no. Um, both emotionally and operationally. It has peaks and valleys. So I love the fact that both your guys's culture goal and your operational goal was to create a linear transaction. I did something very similar at my dealership. So I, I, I love, I love hearing the fact that you guys went that direction. But I know when I did it, even when I did it for myself in my dealership, it's not easy. Uh, that is because that is a 
big change. It, like I said, it's an operational change, but also a culture change. So kind of walk me through how that went down at the dealership. Yeah, let me say change management is something that we don't teach well in the automotive industry. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, I think that we've got to get a, a better grasp at training our leaders on change management, uh, especially from an interpersonal relationship piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, because people, people, even though they say they, they love change or they want change, they'll buck at it at the, at the first sign that it impacts them <laughs> poorly. Yeah. And so change management is a big deal. Um, you know, the, the very, th- and, and I'll tell you, so uh, as I walk through this, the very first thing we did is we had a town hall meeting. We brought everyone from each store nice. into a room with the person that was going to lead us along in this, our executive team and said, this is what we believe is best. This is how we're going to go forward with it. What questions do you have? And we sat there for two hours, just, I mean, a <laughs> litany of how is this going to happen? How is this going to work? Well, you know, and then we said, oh, by the way, the very next meeting we gonna, we're going to have is with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of you, and we're going to pull you into this. And so change management became everybody's idea instead of just one or two people's idea. And then, so what happened is, and, and I'll tell you, the guy's name is Tom Ryan. If anyone wants that connection, I'd be glad to make that connection. But he helped us walk through that transition and go through that six month. I'm telling you, six month I bet transition period from writing process and going through it. And then he sat in the room with the trainers of the software, which is A to Z Sync, which we still use today. Yep. Yep. Sat in the room together and goes, okay, we've created all this brought that to the table. We realized that this software is the right one. They came to the table and then we're in the table. And then, so all three are in the room collaborating together. I see that's how it's supposed to be. By the end of that, you get this really strong process. And and like I said, I think that's a key point for everyone out there that's watching and listening is that uh, this didn't happen overnight. It it, it really doesn't. This was, it was six months probably for just the beginning steps of it. And it's probably, I imagine for you guys, it's still an ongoing thing that you have to continue to develop out. And the first version of your process is probably not the version you guys are using today. <laughs> which which version of process do you think you're on? 14, 17? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I would 22? say like six, 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 seven is, is probably six, the, okay, the you're version at six, you're at six, on. seven. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but that's, yeah. but that's super important though. When we're talking about process is that there does have to be this level of organic ability to move and flow, right? You know, too often, I think a lot of dealerships out there will go into a process to find the process, then get the tech to support the process, but then it has to be this way. It it can't, you you can't change from it, but that's not how this works. It does kind of change. And I love the fact that, you know, you had everybody supporting, you had your coach and your trainer supporting, you had management in there, you had the operations people in there, you had the marketing people. Speaking of marketing, I think this is a good segue into our next topic is, you know, I, I love the fact that you guys took that, that model or that method. All right. When it comes to your tech and process, I unfortunately right now, don't see that happen when it comes to people's marketing efforts. And when you talk about one of the largest expenses in a dealership, all right, is the marketing that they just kind of check out the proverbial box and let someone kind of handle it. They don't tie it into their processes and their operations. I know you got some thoughts on this. I guess here's my question then. How do we take back control of our content marketing strategies where, you know, it's actually a strategy. It's not just doing it for the sake of doing it. 
Man, loaded question, <laughs> know, why right? don't you? So <laughs> I, you know, taking, taking back control, um, really for a lot of people, it might be like starting all together. Mm-hmm. And the, the first thing that you have to do is realize that if you've gone through the lengths and hopefully there are dealers and, and people listening to this going, I want to go through these lengths. This, this is exciting. Yeah. Once you've gone through all that, Nobody knows about it. And, and the reality is, is that the people inside your culture are going to be able to talk about your culture better than someone from the outside looking in. Yes. And so that's what we've created. We've created this interior, interior team that allows us to constantly be inundated and, and, and be a part of the culture, the team, the people. Flex quickly, implement quickly creative design, marketing strategy, and put that into the world. But really, the creation of the process was the creation of the marketing strategy. And that's so then all we have to do is is have updates along the way, make sure meeting. I mean, everybody hates meetings, but um, but meeting going, where were we? Yes. Where are we now? Where are we going? How do we tell our customers about that? Because that's what um, makes you different from everybody else. I mean, I don't understand why more dealers don't necessarily grab onto this concept, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, you'll, your goals give direction to your process. Your process, all right, give direction to your marketing efforts because that's what yes. makes you unique. Everybody's out there trying to identify this, this why buy, why buy for me, why buy here, right? And they're like, big screen TV with purchase. No. <laughs> like, no. Or, or, oh, my classic. Uh, Which because one? we've been in the city for seventy-five years, and so you should buy. From oh, geez. Okay, let's just let's let's uh let's thump that one to death right now. Okay, uh, anybody out there watching, listening, no one gives a crap that you're family owned. <laughs> no, no one gives a crap that you're family owned. Now, how you take that and you embed that that family owned culture into your process, then that process can create a value to an individual. But the fact that your family owned no one gives a shit. <laughs> Got him. So so let's let's talk about this. How do we take these beautiful processes and then we and, and we embed them into our marketing strategies? Yeah. So one, you've got to have the the ability to execute it, right? So mm-hmm. um, it just so everyone knows, uh, this is a great execution model. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> to start at least, yes, right? Exactly. Um, but you can't just say, hey, I'm going to pluck this person and hope they're good at executing that strategy from the dealership internally. Now, there may be some dealerships with that uh, with that person on hand to be able to do that. But for most dealerships, you've got to bring some someone from the outside yep. in to help you execute the strategy. Uh, so that, that's probably someone that, that has the ability to help you not just create the content by ideate around the content, and the marketing strategy and tie your process to, a, a, you know, copy to, to writing it out, to saying it, to, to taking the video shots that are necessary to expound upon that vision. And, and you really need a storyteller. Yes. Uh, you need someone that can, that can make it come to life. People want connection. People want to yes. be connected to things. Um, I, I look at Starbucks. The reason why Starbucks was so successful is not because they have good coffee. Their coffee's terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, full disclosure. <laughs> but what they do have and what they started out with is we're going to be the place where people come to meet. 
Yes. And so people want connection. People want connection with your brand, with your dealership, with your process, with your way of believing. They want to believe that buying a car can be just as much fun as owning one. They want that. They just don't know that it's available until you tell them. Well, and so yeah, it's really exactly. creating a story around your process. And they want to buy into the story before they buy into the product. Right? We, we define everything we do with a story. I mean, look, you're in the automotive industry. I'm in the automotive industry. You go to dinner parties. And the second someone finds out that you are in the automotive industry, what happens? Oh, let me tell you, right? And it's, it, it, you know what? Here's an interesting thing when we talk about marketing. I've been, in a, I've been in that scenario many, many, many times. I've yet to have anybody tell me that they bought the $267 biweekly car. Uh, just, just to let everybody know out there, I've never yet had anybody tell me that, right? But they, they always want to tell me the story of that experience. And when you listen to that story, what you're hearing is the dealership's process, good or bad. Yeah. All right. That is literally, they are, they don't know that they're telling us that, right? Like when they, when they tell me about their experience, they don't know that they're literally walking me through step by step by step of the entire dealership's process. But that's what I hear. And that's what we want to connect with. That's what we want to buy in from a market. If people out there and you're in charge of your marketing department, like Kyle was saying, like that is the value proposition. To tell customers that you go this far and here's the process that we put to ensure that this happens, all right, that brings value. And I want to be a part of that. Um, but I find that to your point, people have a hard time articulating that. They just don't seem to know how to tell a story. So let's do that a little bit. Just a couple minutes on best practices of telling that story. Yeah, so I think, okay, so let, let's just uh, look at the, the best story, in my opinion, mm -hmm. in, in, in all history, right? Which is the big biblical story, and a lot of people point to that. Or, or <laughs> look at story. any movie, right? You start with a characterization. Yep. You, you then present a problem. You then have a climax and a resolution. I love it. This so if you, just, if you just took those four things and said, I'm going to put that on a whiteboard every single time we've got to tell a story in our dealership, you'd start winning right now. 100%. Right? That, that would be such a huge deal. Here's the characterization. This is who we are. We're, we're Nelson Mazda. We believe that buying a car should be fun. The problem with buying a car is it's typically not fun. And I'm simplifying this. Sure, of course. You want to buy a car and you don't know where to do that. Buy it with us. We'll make it fun. Simple, right? Now you can create some crafty words around that and some beautiful, you know, beautiful imagery. And, and I'm just talking about like a 30 second commercial. Oh, hundred percent. Now, now, now you get to show them what fun means. Whew. Yeah. Well, I, I got to ask this question then. Uh, how do you guys have fun? <laughs> give me, give me a couple of quick examples. I'm sure you got tons, right? But like, how do you depict uh, that fun? Because I got to think, look, a lot of people in the thing of buying a car, fun is not a word that they typically describe, right? It is not, it is not of all the words they use to describe the uh, purchasing a vehicle, that is not typically one. So then, then how do we embed fun into our process? I'm curious yeah. how you guys do it. Yeah, I, I always say in our onboarding classes, I say, uh, so everyone wants to go to Disney World. Why? Because it's fun. Nobody wants to go to a car dealership. Why? Because it's not fun. Yeah. And so we want to swing the pendulum. That's why we said the word fun, not like this would be easy. There's a lot of things that are easy, but Disney World is the real fun. We want to get there. So um, this is, it's really, it's really simple. We don't do like, you know, banging gongs and crazy stuff on the showroom. Yeah. Um, 
we, we actually verbally empower our people to laugh. Okay, I, I like that. It's, it's really ridiculous, but we verbally empower them to laugh throughout the sales process, to, to be human to the people sitting across the showroom. Our showrooms are, are, are completely open. Yep. And our leaders are equipped with, with that as well. And so there's no glass or walls or anything like that. And so everybody's in the same, uh, same area. And so we literally, I, I walk on the showroom floor and people are laughing, telling jokes, shouting across the showroom floor on a Saturday. Man, you got, you've got a team lead talking to a client advisor across the room. Now we're not shouting <laughs> social security numbers, yeah. but we're saying, Hey, how's it going? You know, and, and everybody's having fun and it's an environment. It's really just a culture. Like we don't, we actually don't do anything like extra uh, from like a gimmicky, I, I, I call it gimmicky piece. Sure. We just enable our people. We empower them to go have fun. And then they laugh and you see them smiling and we're high-fiving and, and the energy's there. And, and people catch on to that. People want real people. That's right. Look, people want to connect with real people and they want to have fun, right? Um, I, I'll give you an example. I see. I'm... Um, my EQ is not overly high. I'm the first one to admit that. It's just, for me, it's just not, right? Um, so if, if I don't embed something into a routine or a process, then it just simply doesn't get done. I mean, in fact, I'll tell you right now, like uh, spending time with my kids is embedded into my my calendar. And it, it it's a beautiful thing because it actually turns off my phone, turns off notifications. It forces yeah. me, to, it forces me to do it, right? Um, but I find, you know, I have to be intentional for me to be intentional. Like if I, you know, for, for me at my dealership, I wanted to, I wanted it to be fun that I had to be intentional with that fun. Cause that's just for me. I, I can't, I can't mm. remind myself. I'm never in a mindset where I'm always smiling. Like I remember actually, I'll give you a perfect example. When I first started doing podcasts, now I'm on 360 something odd episodes, but I used to have this sticky note sitting right underneath that camera right there that said smile on it because I was horrible. <laughs> It's horrible yeah. and actually remember myself doing that. But I find that those are the kind of little hacks, right? I mean, I remember like teaching, I'm sure you guys probably do the same thing. When someone answers the phone, when you smile and you answer the phone, your tonality is different, right? It sounds different. So I think there are ways to kind of embed that into, into our processes. But then I also, I love just also having crazy little bit of fun. And see, my, my first experience with a car dealership was a uh, petting zoo. Oh, I showed up at a car dealership. It was a Ford dealership, and they're having a petting zoo. I was about nine years old, and I was just now. I'll be honest with you. For almost the entire year after that, every time my father asked me, "What we? What do you want to do this weekend?" I said I wanted to go to a car dealership because in my head it was a lot of fun. Like yeah. there was a yeah. petting zoo. There were hot dogs. All right. Like I got to ride a. I got to Let's ride a go. camel. It was freaking amazing. <laughs> it's like <Yeah>. so. <laughs> I think there's some space. I think I would actually like to see some people bring back that old school. Yeah, stuff. and and I think we've <laughs> talked about some of that stuff, and I think that may be a, a thing that we do in the future. Um, you know, we're still trying to hone in on this process. Uh, my new buddy Alex Flores, they have a band every Saturday in there. Let's in their see, show. There you go. I love That's it. That's crazy. Of course, Let's Alex go. does. That doesn't surprise me one bit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, I think that we do need to have fun. We we need to have a lot of fun. Uh, buying buying a car should be fun, y'all. This is this is the way I say it. How many people do you know that name their car? Tons. Exactly. Probably 50, 60, 70 percent of the people that you know name their car. Well, that means it's fun. They love it. They like to go for a drive, accessorize it, enjoy it. And yet we, 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 
we we show up in suits and ties and and stern faces and and push the deal and get it over the line and all that type of stuff and it's like no get i mean i'm not hating on suits and ties but let's let's enjoy this thing we got to do it a lot look if you're not smiling you're not having fun um i'll give you another quick one we used to do um use car descriptions i'm actually i've always been a big fan even though a lot of people tell me that used car descriptions are dead and no one cares about them anymore. But I actually used to name my used cars. And uh, I remember I had like this 01 Focus on my lot and I called him Frank. And I'm like, Frank, not the most exciting, you know, car out there, but Frank will get you from point A to point B reliable. Uh, it'll save you some money on gas. It's not, uh, Frank's not going to show up to your frat party and I have a kegger in the trunk, but uh, Frank would, you know, it's just, I created a story. We were talking about this earlier, but it was just having fun, right? And I just think that's, yeah. look, if anybody out there watching, listening to this right now, this is what we're talking about. You got to hack it. You got to find weird places that you can embed fun into, into your dealership, as long as that's what is the culture and the direction and the goals. That's, that's what I think. I mean, look, everything we've talked about so far today, has all been about that, right? It's like defining that goal and then working backwards towards the technology, working backwards towards the process, you know, and just that, and working backwards towards the marketing, but it all comes from defining what those operational and those culture goals are. And you guys have done an amazing job of that. I know it's going to, it's at the tail end of our time and I, we could probably jam for another hour. Um, for sure. God, this has been a great topic and I know we're going to ex- extend this conversation into clubhouse. I guarantee you. We will. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> but, but, no doubt. but Kyle, before I let you go though, for everybody that's been watching and listening and just really digging on this conversation, um, would like to connect with you and kind of continue that conversation. What is, what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, so I'm most active uh, on LinkedIn. It's Kyle Mountsier. You can see that right down here. My name is kind of crazy. Um, I'm the only Kyle Mountsier actually in the whole world. That's awesome. Uh, which, is, which is a wild fact. So you can even Google me on the first three pages if you want to. You can find everything <laughs> about me right there. You're so lucky. Uh, but uh, been on Clubhouse a lot, so check that out. Also, Contagious Podcasts. If uh, if you type in comp- Contagious Podcasts Automotive in anywhere you get your podcasts, YouTube and all the podcasting channels, uh, love to, to love to share there what's going on uh, and and message me. I respond to those. I, I want to have more conversations with more people because there's a lot of valuable voices out there mm-hmm. that I would love to connect with. And man, that's what I love about you. I just like first time we were in a clubhouse together, I was just like, this guy, you know what? It's just, you can see what your intent is. You find out real quick people intent are if you talk to them long enough, right? And it was just like, it's just your intent is to connect, bring value and just, and, and, and try to help others enhance their voice. Because I agree with you. This is the reason why I do podcasts and why I have Strategy Bob, my, my kind of content club, right? Is because I think there's amazing people out there with amazing voices and whatever we can do to help enhance those voices is awesome. Hey, uh, Kyle, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me. This has been a lot of fun. You have yourself an amazing day. You too. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy Mob Podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to sign up to be a mobster at strategymob.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe.